Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Angel Deer is a medicine man and offers his work on sacred land through shamanic healing, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, plant medicine, and workshops and events. The Sanctuary is a community for all those who seek healing transformation, ancient wisdom, and a place to come together to create a new way of living and relating. This is the Sanctuary Podcast, and this is Angel Deer. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Amanda. Such a pleasure to be with you here tonight. Uh, For those of you uh, that are joining us here for the first time, I want to say a big welcome and I'm really excited about the conversation tonight on embodied plant medicine and exciting to dive in this subject with you, Amanda. And I'm going just to uh, read Amanda's bio so you get to uh, maybe learn a few things about her. So Amanda is a daughter of the Blue Ridge Mountains. She listens to the tree, sits with the land, and gathers medicine messages to share. As an author, poet, teacher, herbalist, mother of six. And I was like, oh, wow, I need to ask you about that. (laughs) And divine daughter, indeed. It is a delight to hold space for others as their eyes and ears open to the beauty and medicine that is all around us. In 2010, Amanda purposefully began her journey with the plants. She studied herbalism at Green Comfort School of Herbal Medicine and Skyos Herbs and was blessed to continue her studies uh, by sitting at the feet of Matthew Wood. And yeah, we were with Matthew a few months ago and we just had such an amazing conversation. So, so grateful you're connected to him too. Deeply grateful for our teachers. Amanda is blessed and held by the spirits of her Shokto Shata ancestors as she offers the sacred medicine of spirit and earth through classes, consultation, ceremony, the written word and song. And her book, Flowers for a Girl, Plant Medicine and Sexual Trauma, is a poetic telling of her healing journey with the plants as teachers and companions. You can hear the plant speaks from Amanda by listening to her podcast, Whispers Plant Spirit Medicine. Loved by the tulip poplar, Amanda is happiest sitting under a tree, surrounded by wildflowers, dusted with dirt, are immersed in wild water. How beautiful. So I love that you're blessed by the poplar tree. And I'm going to start with that because my poplar tree just flourished uh, a few weeks ago, started. I have a very old poplar tree on the land here. It's probably, I don't know, 70, 80 feet. So I can't really see the flower because they are on the canopy up there, but I see them on the ground uh, when they fall. And that's when I know uh, that this tree is in flower. So I was about to start and asking you about embodied plant medicine, but I think I want to ask you about that tree. And tell me how blessed you are, how come you're blessed by that tree? What does that mean? (laughs) It actually makes me so happy because I don't get to talk about that tree enough. And it actually really ties into the concept of embodied herbalism. So I'd love to talk about this tree. So there's not much out there about it. 
not that I've been able to find. And when I first met this tree and it began to speak to me, I went to Matthew Wood and he had a small section in his book on it. And I said, you know, you got to give me more. And he was like, that's all I got. <laughs> so I've been with the tulip poplar tree now for, I don't know. I mean, we're going towards 10 years. It's not quite been 10 years. It came almost right away when I began my journey and it's a companion and it's an ally. And sometimes I feel like, I am a tulip poplar tree and it's what I'm here for is to be a conduit for the tree and speak for it. And ask, it asked me to tell it its stories. And the first time that it ever came to me, and this connects to the sexual trauma we might get to later. Um, it, there were two tulip poplar trees side by side and one took my hand and the other took my hand and they swung me between them like a child and they grew over me taller and taller and then they said to me, we will be your parents. And at the time I thought to myself, well, I have parents, <laughs> but you know, I wasn't going to have parents. There was going to come a time when I wasn't going to have parents because of the memory, the memories coming of the sexual trauma when I was small. And so I don't, I don't really have physical parents participating. I was um, set aside by my mom and so that's how it began. And so I, I call it the parent tree because it is, and it helps us to be the parents we wish we were, um, integrate the parents we wish we had. It can be that parent to us. It can teach us like myself, how to be the divine mother to myself. It's, it's told me it's for children without parents. However, that may look, whether that's physical or otherwise, and it has blessed me. It's a tree of benediction. It actually was the tree that told me to go get ordained. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it blesses us with benediction. It's a tree of baptism. It's an oracle tree, prophetic. So, you know, when it told me we will be your parents, it knew what was coming. You know, it can see and know the journey that's ahead. And it has dove medicine. So that's part of the oracular aspect of the tree and I can't tell you how many times it's given me a glimpse of what's coming you know and to take me down that path and it takes it takes care of me I'm its daughter like <laughs> that's you know who I am and so with the fox medicine it parents me it teaches me how to be a parent I mean I could go on and on about this tree but I feel like it's just gathered me up into its arms and branches and maybe even merged with me with its trunk and said, we're one, we're going to do this together. It has dragon medicine. I'm a dragon. <laughs> you know, it could just keep going. And I'm looking forward to writing more about it and teaching more about it. It's a profound tree. It's a direct connection, heaven to earth, like a conduit. So I have a feeling a lot of the people that are going to watch this and listen and that are part of your community are people who probably very much have a vision of heaven on earth you know of mm. this return to eden or to paradise and it's a lovely tree for that to show us how heaven and earth meets in us and then and then through dragon medicine and other ways how to co-create it and imagine it imagine it bring it into being I love this tree. I'm going to stop because I'll take the whole hour and a half to talk about this tree. I have so many questions. I want just to share a small story with that tree here. So 
I live on the western side of the Catskills, upstate New York, on the beautiful Delaware River. And I used to be the Lenape territory. The Lenape people used to live here. And a few years ago, we wanted to do a blessing of the land with the Lenape elder. And most Lenape people now need, lives in Canada because when settlers arrived, they left and they went up north. Anyway, I got connected to that elder, uh, Katie, Starfire woman. And we brought Katie from Canada here. And we did a fire ceremony and a blessing. And then Katie started to sing a song in Lenape language. A language that she has lost because very few people are speaking it, but she knows that song. And when she sang that song, the land just awakened. I was full with tears. There was just something so profound that this land hasn't heard that song for so many years. And then I asked her about the poplar tree. I have no idea why, because there's only one on the land. And But I'm just quite fascinated by those massive flowers and just stunning flowers. And she said, oh, you know, the Lenape people made their tobacco pouch to carry the tobacco in the shape of the poplar tree flower. And tobacco is the most sacred medicine. And they somehow recognized that tree could hold that medicine. That is such a precious gift. So they use deer skin and they do that little pouch, you know, with that kind of shape on top that look like a poplar tree flower. And it was a few years before I started working with tobacco as a sacred medicine and did my dieta, but I'm pretty sure it was a message from the tobacco medicine to telling me we need to work together. You know, there's that tree connection, there's that land connection, and there is that medicine connection. So I have a question for you because you describe the tree like it's a, a person. And uh, for people that maybe have a hard time getting a connection, to that tree or to any plants or tree. Um, what kind of advice you could give? I mean, how do we get to such a depth of relations in your view with a specific tree or with a specific plant? How do we get that plant to speak to us so directly and so clearly, so deeply, so we can really trust that guidance and follow that guidance and know it's, it's that plant that's speaking here? How do we do that? Well, for myself, and then when I work with my students, we spend time with the plants. That's what we do. I mean, like we would do in any relationship, we spend time with them. So, and some people will say, how long do I got to spend? You know, I've got a job and whatnot. And I'm saying, you know, just, just start with five or 10 minutes. That's it. You know, the magic can happen in a matter of seconds. But when we, when we have intention. I'm going to go out and I'm going to sit with the rose. I'm going to go out. I'm going to sit with tulip poplar. They recognize our intention, you know, so that's first. <laughs> and then opening our heart to the possibility of it. So here's a little story. When I first started to hear that plant communication was possible, that plants could communicate with us, I was part of a conservative Christian group and that was not allowed, you know, that was new age and pagan and all the words they gave it. But I was curious because if that's part of the world, I want to experience it. If that sort of beauty and magic is in the world, I want to experience it. So I just opened my heart to the possibility that it could happen. Sort of like that idea of like, you know, 
you won't see a fairy unless you believe in one. You won't see an angel unless you believe, you know, we've got to open up to this possibility. So I do believe that the plants sense that in us, that this is a human that is open to me, that, that I'm safe with, that's able to listen. So I just opened myself to the possibility. I didn't know how to do it. No one around, you know, if there's a way to do it, no one, you know, around me gave me any instruction. And then I was out and my partner at the time was away with some of my children and I was weeding (laughs) um, around the nettles because I want to read around the nettles. I want to keep them. And suddenly I just started to hear, I've never heard so much from plants since then. I think it was just an initiation in a way. I started to hear so much and I knew it was the nettles. It was the nettles telling me what its medicine was and what it was for. And I ran inside, I grabbed a notebook. I was never going to be able to remember all this, you know, and I wrote it all down and I knew it. I do just a knowing that wasn't my voice. I don't know that I'm not that wise. That's how I felt at the time. I went and told my teacher, Teresa from Green Comfort that you mentioned. I was like, Teresa, I can't believe it. Nettles talked and it told me this and it told me that. And I told her all the medicine that Nettles gave me. And she pointed to her shelf and said, Amanda, go pick up, you know, such and such book over there. So I did. And it was actually a children's book with an indigenous story in it. I can't remember the particular tribe now. It's been a long time ago. That told the story of nettles and what nettles medicine was. And I started to read it and it was exactly what nettles had told me. Like it just confirmed it. And so the fact that I opened up to the possibility made me go sit with Mola now, sit with Lady's Mantle now. And I will just sit. That's how I began. Just even a few minutes. Give it my attention. Sometimes I'd introduce myself. You don't have to. They know who you are, but it's just courtesy being polite like they're a person. And then what do I see? What do I feel? What do I hear? What do I remember? What place am I taken back to? You know, and where do I feel it in my body? And I just would sometimes write notes. And over time, just like with our intuition, you know, we start to trust it and we start to recognize it. And I started to recognize, as I mentioned before, that is not my voice. I don't know that. I didn't know Mm. that. I can't make those connections. Like there's a wisdom here that's not at that time, you know, my own, but then with the embodiment, you know, it can become our own. So that's what I would give is time, intention, opening the heart up to the possibility. And then just over, over that, you know, with practice, you learn to trust that it's the voice of the plants, just like you learn to trust your own voice, that it's your own voice rather Mm. than someone else's. Is that helpful? Yeah, it does. I mean, I was waiting for the magic trick. (laughs) the little things you come out and touch the plant and you say a special words. No, I'm kidding. But no, I'm not into special words. I will say though, <laughs> that sometimes you don't even have to do that because when a plant has a message for you and it's time, especially if it's time for healing to begin, um, you may be taken by surprise. You know, you may be just out doing your thing and suddenly the wild lettuce speaks to you and you, you know, that's what just happened. So sometimes I think um, they can uh, circumvent your distraction. You know. Yeah. And, and I love that we, we started with a poplar tree because I just had one. And so earlier this few months ago, I was like, I need to order another one. And so I, I look for a nice nursery, order a tree and the tree arrived. And as I was redoing my, garden beds my veggie garden is off the forest i was weeding here is a tiny baby poplar tree that was growing there 
I don't know, I got there because it's pretty far from the tree. I guess it's a bird that brought the seed there, but I've never seen one in 10 years that I'm here, a new one growing. Mm -hmm. So I know, I already know that specific tree definitely wants to talk to me. And I know I need to spend more time there. And that's why I was like, oh, I want to start. How do I do this? (laughs) Well, let me give you one. Let me give you one tip about tulip poplar. So one, you know, tulip poplar is coming to you, obviously, you know, um, and that's so happy because I want tulip poplar to come to more people. But know this about tulip poplar. Uh, Tulip poplar is a wise counselor. And so sometimes, well, she teaches patients. She has blue hair in medicine. He has blue hair in medicine. They have, you know, it comes in different ways of expressing. But sometimes there's patience. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. Before it spoke to me, I went to a tulip poplar tree. Um, I was drawn to it. And I, I wasn't getting anything. Mm. And the word that came into my mind was impenetrable. That's how I was experiencing it. Like it's impenetrable. Like, and it was the first tree I tried to talk to. You know, you start with the nettles and the plantain, and they seem a little more chatty, you know. <laughs> um, and so it was in, that's how I felt it impenetrable. There was like a wall around it. So then I was in class with Matthew Wood, and there was probably 20, 25 other people in this class, and Tulip Poplar came up. And everybody starts, oh, I love tulip poplar. I love tulip poplar. It's the sweetest tree. It's the most loving tree. And it loves humans. It loves humans. And everybody was saying the same thing. And I was thinking to myself, that is not what I'm getting from this tree. <laughs> so <laughs> I just sort of like, you know, timidly raised my hand in the back and um, Matt, you know, motioned. And I said, that's not what I'm getting. I said, I don't get anything. It's like an impenetrable fortress. And the whole class just buzzed and hummed with that's not right that's not right that's not right that's not right you know and I was thinking well I don't know what else to do like that's what I got and Matt who is usually very for people watch the video you know very soft-spoken gentle he got firm and he said that's enough it's teaching Amanda something different and I really loved that and you know what it was it's been teaching me a lot it, there's so much more to it than it loves humans. It does. It's a tree that's always waving to you with its leaves. <laughs> it's cheering you on, you know, but, um, but what I found is that when she speaks, when he speaks, it's profound and it's beautiful. But sometimes if the medicine that's being offered is, if we're not ready for it, the tree will be quiet and you can feel it. You can feel it like it's holding back on you. And one time, I think I write about this in my book. I can't recall. I was a, I threw a little toddler temper tantrum because I went to the tree because I knew it was wise and I knew it knew what was going on. And I was moving through the trauma and I wanted it to speak to me, you know, talk to me, teach me, heal me. You know, I was being a little, you know, and it wasn't talking at all. Not even nice things. And I actually stood up like I was four and said, fine, you don't want to talk to me. I'm leaving. And I, you know, turned on, you know, around to leave it. And then I felt it say, you know, come here, come back. So I turned around. I was literally like a child, like I crossed my arms, like, what do you want? And that's when it said, you know, it first said, we will be your parents. I didn't know what that meant. And I'm in the middle of the trauma. And at that moment is when it said, we are for children who have no parents. And I dropped my head to my chest and was like, that's enough. Thank you. I knew like, you're right. I'm not ready for this tonight. I'm not ready for what you're trying to tell me, you know? And so I've learned that when I sit with her and she's quiet to be patient, 
and to know that I'm still receiving her medicine and that when she knows I'm ready, she'll speak to me. So the tree will speak. They'll speak to you. They want to. They're coming. But just I'm just going to encourage you, <laughs> you know, if you're if you feel like it's been quiet sometimes or the process isn't moving as quickly as you wanted. It's a tree that teaches patience and wisdom and the wisdom of like, again, blue heron timing, divine timing of, you know, the messages. I love that. It's so beautiful and i won't expand off what the personal message is for me but there's a big one there so thank you for sharing that you know i want i want to weave that into you know we're, we're in such a noisy world there's just so much happening and we're connected constantly here we are uh, online um a lot is happening in the world scene in our countries in our communities and um we have a tendency i think or maybe i have a tendency i don't know um to try to to be a lot out there you know because we feel there is that this need for communication but also we need to be seen somehow we need to express and get those message out and i feel you know a lot of the rise of plant medicine and especially sacred plant medicine what we call you know ontogenics plants uh worldwide because they provide such a loud <laughs> communication, you know, very direct and loud communication, kind of answered to that need to have something quite loud. But this past year, and I think especially since the pandemic, and it's probably also because I haven't moved from that land in over a year and a half, and I haven't traveled, which haven't never happened to me in the last 10 years, I've slowed down a lot. I've quiet inside a lot. I've spent so much more time on the land and I'm getting very excited by the smaller voices, the more maybe plants that are maybe not the big one or the one that everybody's talking about. Um, so I want to weave that into, I feel like God in my body much more deeply. And I won't talk about the sexual trauma after because this is something we share together. But do you think that this is what embodied plant medicine means that it requires really coming into our bodies, meaning slowing down, quietening, so we can hear those message? And would you differentiate that differentiate, sorry, that from much more loud messages? How we try to get experiences from the plant world in ways that are extremely loud sometimes, but which basically we're missing on so many other voices that are probably as wise and as relevant for us in the world, you know? Yeah, I love that. Thank you for saying it because I'm really pretty tired of loud voices. <laughs> and I think to be with the plants, it does require, I don't, I don't even like to use that word actually, but it's necessary to get quiet. And what I found with the plants is that um, to begin to connect, I do need to come more into my body, like bring, you know, all these distractions, you know, quiet the noise to come into my body, to be with them so we can listen. So in the tradition I grew up in, the Christian tradition, they'll talk about the still small voice. You're not going to hear the still small voice, you know, with all of this 
happening, the TVs and the whatnots. And then I remember reading this book a few years ago that talked about how the soul will hide from you, you know, if it's too noisy and loud, you know, and you want to hear the voice of your soul. So I do think that's part of it. And it's why in my classes, I'll say, okay, we're going to get quiet. We're going to sit and we're going to listen. And that's what we do. That's a huge part of my classes. <laughs> it's funny, you know, sometimes people pay me to, you know, say, okay, we're going to be quiet. It's just it's fine. It's nice. right? But I'm holding the space for them, you know, to receive messages and to have an intentional purposed moment to be quiet and quiet the mind, quiet the heart and listen. But to go beyond that by what, what I mean by embodied herbalism, embodied plant medicine, <clears throat> is that if we begin to do that, if we begin to come into our bodies, which can be difficult, sometimes we need the plants to help us come into our bodies because of trauma. And, you know, but we can begin by simply sitting with the land, sitting with the plants, and they will begin to bring us into our bodies. But when we begin to connect to the plants in a particular way that's not loud, it's this internal work that's happening inside of us. I really believe we can become that medicine because. So I want the people that I'm with to experience, experience, I'm not into bold face terms, but experience the plants in such a way that now they know how it feels. Now they know how it sounds. You know, they know the personality, the characteristics of the plant, and it's changing them. And now they're taking on the characteristics of violet, the characteristics of rose, of plantain. They're gathering up, you know, the wisdom of goldenrod and of oak, and it's becoming a part of them. And so now when they move through the world, they can move through the world embodying that medicine, that energy. And, and I would say even though we say it's oak and rose, or I say it's oak and rose and violet, you know, it's really becoming more human, becoming more divine. I think that's part of what the plants are here for is to help us remember this is a part of you and this is a part of you and this aspect of divinity is a part of you. And so the more I'm with the plant, the more embodied I am. It's like uh, in some practices, people will talk about, you know, gathering all of your pieces and parts, you know, back to yourself, call yourself back to yourself. That's how they'll speak. And I, I believe that's what the plants do, you know, and sitting with them and being with them is I'm remembering who I am. I'm remembering where I came from. I'm remembering why I'm here. And they're sharing with me this, this divine wisdom and then this divine medicine, almost like, Hey, human, you forgot. We just wanted to remind you that's what we're here for. And the more that that happens, the more embodied I am, the more I'm embodying my divinity, the more I'm embodying my essence, the more I'm inside of my body and able to express the medicine so I can t hopefully, <laughs> that's my hope, talk like Rose, touch like Rose, listen like Rose. So that when people are with me, my energy is emitting the energy of these plants, their medicinal qualities, which is really just me being more and more fully human, which I think is to be more and more fully divine. So that's sort of what I mean by embodied herbalism. And I think the way that I try to do that in my classes is for people to experience the plants, connect with the plants 
listen to the plants. I do use books. I do talk about anti-inflammatories about this much, <laughs> but mostly, mostly I'm like, they're living beings. They're living beings. And we, we are living beings and connect with the spirit. Does that help? It does. And it's obviously we all know plant medicine, herbalism as, okay, I'm going to make a tincture or take the roots or make a flower essence or make a salve of plantain because I've got some itch there. And so we, you know, I just felt something really powerful here, which is we've been using nature a lot and I've been feeling that for a while. So we consuming nature, like we consume spirituality. I have a need and I'm going to get an answer to it. So I'm going to go and take what I need for it. And we can do it in a very respectful way with some prayers, with some offerings, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, plants can be also powerful healers when they are ingested or used in different ways. But here you're talking about something completely different. <laughs> I am something completely different. And I tell people, you know, I used to do this. I still probably do it sometimes. Um, you know, we'll sit down with the plant. And sometimes the question that someone might have in their heart or they might speak out loud is, What's your medicine? What do you do? What can I use you for? And I'll say to them, do you say that to humans? Because if you do, we, we have a problem. We're going to need to talk. We don't meet someone and say, what are you good for? <laughs> what can I use you for? I mean, I get why we do it, you know, and I get it. It's not like the that whole approach is um, tainted, you know, but what if you just get to know it? What if you just sit and instead open your heart up and say, who are you? Who are you? You know, tell me about yourself, you know, and get to know the plants in a personal way, you know, as persons. And so I do, I do use tinctures. I do, I do drink infusions. I do like flower essences, but you know, what's kind of happened. And to be honest, I'm just going to say, I don't know if this is good or bad. You know, sometimes I think maybe I need to make adjustments because I'm like an herbalist that doesn't really use herbs that much anymore, like physical plants. <laughs> but it's because when something's going on with me, usually, you know, some I ha I need help. Sometimes I need to go to someone. We can't always see ourselves as clearly as we'd like. But if I'm understanding the plant that I need, then I I just lean into that energy. I know that plant and I know what it's trying to teach me. So I need to bring it into my space. And so now when I do, I mean, say so we'll call them herbal consultations. Now I call them guidance sessions. I'm not sure what they are. I had someone say counseling and a plant, <laughs> you know, but now when I offer people plants in these times together, some people know me, you know, they've been with me, some are taking classes. And so, um, they won't ask me this question, <laughs> but some people will say, you know, well, how do I work with it? How many drops do you want me to take? And, you know, if we're dealing with something that really is a strong physical manifestation, you know, then I will offer a, a more solid dosage to begin, you know, with that physical manifestation. But often we're talking about, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I don't like my job. I don't know why I'm here, you know, trauma or whatnot. And so I'll say to them, I like a flower essence vibrational energetic medicine but i'll also say to them you could just sit with the plant you could just pull up a picture on your computer and sit and listen you could just bring it into your space you could just paint it i know that sounds crazy and you know like not possible but it keeps working <laughs> 
people keep experiencing shifts and changes because we're just connecting to the energy of the plant and getting to to know the plant. So I'm with you. I we do use the word use quite often and the plants have become a commodity or maybe they've always been a commodity even in the plant medicine herbal world it's like that mm. you know and i just feel a shift to not to the exclusion of the physical because we're talking about embodiment <laughs> but a shift to the spirit to the heart mm. yeah i'll just leave it at that it's interesting, you know, because yeah, you said that might sounds crazy. And, but I was like, oh, isn't it what we do with all religions where we put a picture or a little statue of St. Francis or Mother Mary or the Christ and we call upon those healing energies? We don't have to take a bite at the Christ or Mother Mary or, you know, put it on our skin. We, we just call that energy in mm -hmm. and we can connect to that. And I've personally experienced great healing by doing that. So it's quite interesting that probably our separation from the plant world, our ego that filter it and say, well, this is just a plant, it's not a human, make us see it as it's not possible. It sounds crazy a little bit to go talk to a plant where people go to church every day talking to a statue that is there and get powerful messages from that but i love what you said about the type of relationship because yeah if i just call you when i'm sick and i say yeah, amanda this is going on you're going to just going to be my doctor but if i get to sit with you and talk to you more often you're going to become a friend you're going to be yeah. someone i know i'm going to know much more about you yeah. and like how did you manage to have six kids and still do all of that for example <laughs> like I'm, I'm like puzzled by that so i'm like i want to know more about that <laughs> But you see what I mean? It's a whole different level of relationship where I get, yeah, we're going to get to know each other. We're going to, and a teacher in Peru told me, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago. He said, you know, you don't really need to take those plants. You can just sit with them. And he brought me in the jungle. Had me sat on this massive old vine. And he said, just connect with it here. You know, we don't really need to harvest it. And they knew that, you know, they were Shipibo people. They've been doing very powerful medicine work for tens of thousands of years, probably. But here he was inviting me and it was his job, you know, to harvest plants and, you know, prepare teas and other things for us. But here he was inviting me and said, you know, you don't really need it. You, you can just sit with it. And it was 15 years ago. And I look at him like a little bit like you did the first times, like, how am I going to do that? I'm not hearing anything. Nothing is happening. <laughs> this is not working. You know, my mind was just going all over. And because I was, you know, not trusting that this is a possibility. And I never had an embodied experience mm -hmm. of a direct communication, which came, you know, a few years later for me uh, with nettle. <laughs> so oh, okay. that was the first plant that, that talked to me was nettle. That's so uh, interesting. And I have to say that, if you know how you said I hadn't had an embodied experience yet. That's what I find in my classes. So I have people that come, they're like, I, you know, I talk to plants all the time or, you know, it's not woo to them. And I have other people come and they're skeptical, which is fine. That's totally legit. Um, but I know, I know that as soon as they have a connection, they're in, it's done. 
it's over. And so I've had people sit in class and, you know, they're kind of skeptical, but they want to be there. And so we sit and we listen. And then I have this one guy in particular that I remember, he totally cracked me up. He opened his eyes and he was like, his eyes were huge. And he was like, what just happened, man? And he was like, I just saw this. And, and, you know, and he was just like flabbergasted. Like he had just seen there were these deers and they took him here and they took him there. And I just started laughing and clapping my hands. And I was like, I'm so happy for you. And it's over. It's over. You can't go back. You know, some people don't have it that, Mm. that, um, what's the word, uh, explosive or, you know, so some people they'll get a little nudge and, you know, we're in a group and they'll share and you can tell they're a little hesitant. Like, I don't really know if that's the right answer, which there, there is no right or wrong answer. You know, this is your heart speaking. They're speaking, they can say whatever they want. There's infinite answers. So, but then as people start to share in the circle, cause we're sitting with Violet, they start to hear the echo of what they said in other people because Violet is Violet. And so Violet is going to give Violet messages, but everything will be nuanced to the different people, you know? And so then as they listen, they hear this theme or when they share it, I say exactly Violet medicine is, and I'll explain it. And it's, there's this confirmation because sometimes we need that and this encouragement and then they start to trust. And so it's like you said, it just has to happen. The embodied experience, it just has to happen once. And there's really no, you know, going back. Then the door opens. It's now possible. And then, you know, people move at different speeds with where they might go with it. But that's part of what I love. I feel like that's part of what I'm here for is to hold the space so people can have those moments and believe it's possible and take off. So in this very noisy world, where it's hard to hear the little voices. There's another layer that I want to talk about, which is a trauma layer, the traumatic events that maybe we have lived in our childhood, maybe even sometime in the womb of our mother or later on in our life. And one of the, you know, I'm fascinated by trauma. I'm a trauma geek a little bit. I'm just, you know, always loved to study trauma. And one of the main characteristics of most trauma, uh, either physical or emotional, is that it's very hard to be in our bodies. Yeah. And it's very hard to be in our bodies yeah. in a safe and calm way. So we might be in it, but there's a lot of anxiety. And there is a lot of ADD. There's a lot of, you know, trying to do something else and again, something else. It's very hard to just sit still. So... I'm sure you have a lot of people that come to you with trauma because, you know, I was reading statistics the other day. They say 50% of women in the United States have been physically abused. Probably more. Yeah. 50%. Mm-hmm. That's the official statistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just physical abuse. We're not just even talking about emotional abuse or all the type of abuse that can happen all the time. Uh, there is obviously massive trauma that are in our communities you know, veterans that come back from war, Native American people that are still carrying, you know, a lot of trauma and are still experiencing uh, the difficulty to be in that body on the stolen land. So is it possible to work with such embodied plant medicine to really work with that vibration? And how do we do that when 
we have experienced a lot of trauma and maybe it's very hard for us to even still sit still. And when we feel we just need to take something that just take us somewhere or, you know, to just take something really powerful Western medicine, because we just want to escape that. So there are plants that works really well for that. And what is your experience with it? Because I know you, you mentioned it during our conversation here. It's something you have experienced. And I don't know if you knew about it or if it came to you later. My experience of sexual trauma was abused when I was 11. And I only remembered it when I was 41. Mm-hmm. So I had no memory of it for 30 years. And I lived with that trauma in my body, which showed up in so many different ways in my relations with others, and especially with men, because I was abused by men. But uh, And I did a lot of work. But it only came to me that remembering during a very embodied work that I did for a month uh, at the time where I really slowed down and feel my body. It didn't come through that plan or that. I just had to breathe in my body and slow down and feel it. So how do we work with embodied plant medicine and how does that weave, you know, with trauma and maybe sexual trauma, because that's something that's pretty common or any kind of physical abuse. How do we put that together here uh, in a society that has constant trauma? And we might be even traumatized just by reading the news every day. That's enough for me to have my body shrink and feel not very settled anymore. You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Angel Deer. While you're listening, browse the website at www.thesanctuaryheal.com. It's a really full question. I'm trying to decide. You just have two hours to answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to decide where to start. Maybe I'll just start by telling a little bit of my story because that might help because that's a big question. First, I'll say before I start my story, I do believe that working with plants in this way can, you know, people say we have to be careful with all of our words, help us integrate relief, balance, whatever, come into our bodies with the trauma. I believe that. I've experienced it myself. I've seen it in other people. Sometimes I think that people think that working with plant spirit medicine, this energetic vibrational medicine, it's too weak. You know, it can't do that work. It's not at all. It's the most powerful, at least that I've experienced. I'm sure there are stones and, you know, I bring in animals and, you know, (laughs) but I know what it's done in my body and with others, my emotions and with others. So I, I've seen it. I know it. And so my, my story is, it's interesting that you say that you didn't really remember until you started to be more in your body. Mm-hmm. Because mine happened, and I didn't years. know I was not yeah. in my body. For I didn't either. Years. Yeah, years. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing to like get in your body because, like, <laughs> I'm here. So, but when I was small, it was like between the ages of like four to six, and I, no, I didn't remember anything. And I actually had kind of Pollyannish views of my childhood, even though we were very poor. And now, when I look back, like I just wasn't I wasn't remembering it correctly at all. But I think that was like a coping mechanism you know and so I I always said positive things about it in spite of the fact that there were like holes in the wall and so when it rained water would pour into the dining room and like you know there were the walls were out in the bathroom you could see the pipes and there's like yelling and fighting and broken mirrors and, but I would talk about it like I just love my life it, you know and I, I just wasn't expecting anything difficult 
But then what happened was after my first three children, I started to miscarry and I had, this is ridiculous, so I'm getting ready to say, <laughs> I had uh, seven consecutive miscarriages um, and I was not well, like plummeting blood pressure and severe anxiety. And I mean, I don't, easy bruising. I can't even remember everything. I was a mess, you know, but I went to the doctors, allopathic doctors and, you know, your blood work comes back fine. And I actually had an older OBGYN say to me, I was like, you went to school to tell me that, you know, he said, it's a phase. Because people have phases. People have phases where you have three healthy children and then seven consecutive miscarriages and you lay down on the floor because your blood pressure is so new. This is a phase. We all go through these phases. So I ended up through that um, coming, being introduced to acupuncture. And that's where I started. And that's that's a longer part of the story, how I got there. But I ended up with acupuncture and she was using Chinese herbs. So I would go home with these bags of roots and sticks and I would make these decoctions. And this was my first adult experience with plants as medicine. And I began to pay more attention to my body. I've got to listen to it. It's screaming at me. Like it's, it's telling me something, you know, our bodies talk to us. I've got, I've got to pay attention to it now. I have no choice now, but to listen. And so then I started to do uh, practice yoga um, that was recommended by the acupuncturist and, you know, all these other things that are helping me slow down and come into my body, you know, slow down and be in my body. And that, you know, I moved through that experience. I'm really summarizing that experience, but, um, and then I, you know, went on to have three more children. I said to her, I just wanted to stop having miscarriages. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> so, um, But it was after the birth of my fifth child. And okay, this is important too. So I'd been coming into my body, you know, in these ways. And then with the fourth and the fifth births, they were home births. And the other ones had been unmedicated, but they were in the hospital and they're very traumatic. But these two were home births and I was in my body and I was feeling all the feels. I am present and I am here, you know, and I believe the birth of that fifth child was like a matrix. I remember when he was born, there was like nothing in the room except my pelvis. The the air was like liquid. I couldn't see anything. And now I know why, because for the first time I was in my body and I was feeling my pelvis and I was feeling this birth because the other three children were born and people talked about the ring of fire and stuff. And I never felt anything. I wasn't in my body. So it was after his birth that I was working with Rose and I had been spritzing rose water on my face for two years when this happened. And I wasn't a rose girl. I mean, I have rose on my walls, (laughs) Uh, but I was like, that's too floral. I need to wear black. So, but I was drawn to it. And so I had spritz rose hydrosol on my face every day for almost two years. And one day I remembered, like it came in these flashes and these images. And um, in retrospect, that healing that was done with the miscarriages in my body 
brought me into my body. I began to care for my body, be in my body. And then working with the acupuncturist, my body, I think, got strong enough to to remember, you know, I'm strong enough now to remember. And then working with that rose because just spritz just for fun because it was an astringent and it smells good and it's cooling and whatever you know and during the miscarriages it was like don't use all these products you know because they mess with your hormones so you know I was getting rid of all those kinds of uses but here's what rose medicine is rose is for clear sane and clear sight and for okay so we talk about rose colored glasses you're walking around with rose colored glasses on you need to take them off what do you need to see? And a lot of times we won't see what we need to see because we're, it's going to shatter us. Our hearts can't take it. And so what Rose does is, which I didn't know all this at the time, it holds our hearts and it lets us know you're not going to shatter and you're not going to break. And I've got you. Now open your eyes. See what you need to see. So I think there was a lot that came into play with the remembering uh, there was a process and part of it was coming into my body. But then, as you can imagine, then I wanted to get out of it again. <laughs> and so I worked with the plants. That's what I did. And I had a my teacher at the time, again, Teresa, I love her. <laughs> She's I was a pastor's wife at the time, again, a conservative Christian church. And she said to me, um, now I know, Amanda, that's how she said it. Now I know, Amanda that this might not be what y'all believe. <laughs> and she said, but if I was willing to find an energy worker, a body worker, that's what she would recommend because that's what she had done with her own difficulties. So you don't just like Google that. I'm going to go Google a body worker to work with me on my trauma. Or I'm going to look that up in the yellow pages. That didn't seem like a good idea. So I was like, where do I find somebody? Especially since I'd been told they're like crazy kooks, you know? or whatever. I don't know what all the terms are. So I was again in a class with Matt and he was talking about memory and where we hold memory in our body. And he was talking about how we hold it in the fascia. That's where we hold it. Mm. And he, and he was talking about how it was, um, I can't remember if the most fascia was around the heart or was there a concentrated amount around the heart, the fascia. And so we hold a lot of our memories there. So he looked at a girl, a woman in the class and says to her, she was a body worker. When you work with people that are needing to remember, release memories, you know, from the fascia, is there any plant in particular you work with? And like, I was sitting on the couch with like my knees up around and I'm like, oh, I can't take this class, you know, cause I was so raw. I just been remembering. And she said, Rose, I use Rose. And I was like, I got my person, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what I've been spritzing and that's where I'm at. And it brings me comfort. So I went to her and we started doing body work together. And as I did body work, the plants were coming. I would see them while I was on the table in between appointments. I would see a plant everywhere. I would bring it in. And I write it. That's what I write about in my book is the experiences I had with these plants and very few of them I ingested. Most of them I just like brought to my appointments laid on the table or I used a flower essence or I sat with it the whole month. And I think part of what was happening for me is there was a healing that was happening. So many levels inside of me, but I also believe this was part of what was happening to me because I'm supposed to share it, (laughs) you know, because I've, I've been an herbalist for about 10 years 
And I go to workshops and conferences. Things might be different now, you know, but at the beginning uh, and even in the last few years, why, why, are, why is this not a topic? I looked, why aren't there books on plant medicine and sexual trauma? Why aren't these some of the classes? And they are starting to come, I think. I've taught a few at conferences. I'm sure there are others. You know, so it, it needs to come into the world. So that's what I started to do. I started to work with the plants and they were coming to me. I didn't have to seek them out. And then I learned what I learned. And then I started sharing it. Um, I'll stop and see <laughs> where you want to go with that. No, I think, you know, one of the, when you're list sharing and I'm listening and I had the same message when I, I got 41 and I remembered everything. The first message I got is that you were not strong enough before that to receive that message. And I know that if I either had not forgotten when I was 11 yeah. or I'd remembered in my late teen or early 20s, yeah. I would not be a functioning adult. I would yeah. not. No. And I was like, oh, that's the reason why I could have gone as deep as I wanted. I needed to build this foundation. But you say something quite interesting because, you know, for, for trauma to really come out, you need extreme safety in the space, in the people that is present. And one of the things that I really resonate with what you're saying is that obviously when I'm going to work with a plant from an energetic level, either it's a rose or it's another plant, and I don't have to ingest it even, which is putting something in my body which could be, even if it's a plant, could be a violation. It could be felt like an invasion of my space if you've been physically invaded without your consent. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's why it works so well yeah. with that kind of vibrational energy because it's completely under my consent. And the boundaries are very clear. I'm not breaking any boundaries and my body is a sanctuary. There's no entering here. And I control my experience. When I say stop, it's gone. It's finished. I don't need to wait two hours, six hours, three days for that to go away. I can just put my boundary. So do you feel that safety component, which well, is sometimes people are afraid with plants, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to take that. No. I'd rather take a Tylenol or something <laughs> like that yeah. because I don't know. I don't know. It sounds really weird or I'm a bit, people are afraid sometimes to even take, you know, dandelion or whatever it is. They're afraid to have headaches or that it can be toxic because we have read so much about these things on the internet about plants that usually is all wrong. Yeah. So is there that safety component here? You no, think it's vibrational know, I medicine? Getting, I was getting chills while you were speaking because I just offer this medicine to people. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. You know, and when you were saying that, I thought, oh, yes, because this is what happened. My first body work appointment. And it wasn't body work. It was energetic. You know, she wasn't touching me, you know, energy work. So I was ready. I was like, let's do this. Let's let's heal. <laughs> you know, yeah, we are. So I got on the table. She placed her hands on my feet and um. I went into a space, but I started to shake violently. I mean, violently shaking on the table, which those of us who are aware of trauma, you know, this is my body, you know, releasing and integrating and recalibrating. And, um, and it was so much that my partner at the time was in the room. I'd asked if he could be there with me, you know, cause it's scary. What's going to happen in this room, you know? And I, I was in a different space, but I, I sensed him get up from his chair 
And I heard her say, sit down. She's all right. You know, and when it was over, she looked so disappointed. And when the session began, she had been like, I was, let's do it. You know, because sometimes you get people that come to sessions and consultation and that's not how they're feeling. They actually aren't there to do it. You know, (laughs) and she said to me, we're going to have to start at square one. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, when I went to touch your feet, a wall went up like you're not coming in here. And, you know, she's like, we're going to have to start very slowly because energetically, you know, you're not letting me in, even though in your mind, you know, there's a willingness. And she actually turned to my partner at the time, which I didn't even know how true this was at the time. I thought, oh, that was a little rude, but it was actually pretty true. She turned to him and she said, do not touch her in any way without asking for her consent. And she wasn't even talking about in an intimate sexual way. She meant anything. And she was firm. Do not. You ask for her consent. Everything. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness. Like, that's a lot. We got in the car. And he was like, so, like, how does this like, how does this work now? You know, like, you know, you're going to you just reach over, you know. And um, But she recognized that, you know, that who are you? Why are you coming in? What do you want? You know what I mean? And so I just love what you just said, because you're right. The plants were not in any way invasive. They came to me along the road, in my dreams, in a journey, on a picture on a wall, (laughs) you know, and it's my choice to engage. And you're right. They never touched me unless I reached out, you know, and and I, I chose to reach out and bring them into my space. So that's really lovely um, because when I think of the plants and what they do for trauma, and there's very particular, there's no different plants working in particular ways. Um, to me, they're so gentle. They're so powerful, but they're so gentle, you know, and I don't have to worry about side effects or you know, all these things we might worry about, or, um, there's a gentleness and always a permission, you know, and a consent and they come and then I can say yes, or I invite or, you know, this sort of thing. And so I really love what you said, because I've never actually really known how they do it. I just know they do it. And so this component you brought in of the safety, especially with that first experience, which I think is probably common, that just resonates with me so much. And I got chills, which usually means something's true. <laughs> so I do think that's very much a component of it and the gentleness that they have. And they go to layers we don't even understand are there and they take things on for us. I mean, you know, you could read the book or we can get together again and talk about it more. But I mean, they've done they've done work I probably don't even know or understand or realize. Mm the shifts and transitions that have happened, you know, I'm just so thankful. I don't, it's like, it's like magic. I can't believe with how I began to remember and how my body responded, who I am now and how I am now. And like you said, how I I understand now how people are no longer able to function. So I really believe in this, the power of the plants because I do more than function you know? Mm, yes. Yeah. So I want to thank you for saying that. And we had a talk last month with uh, Robin Darden from uh, the School of Consent that works with Betty Martin. And it was all about 
how do I find my yes and my no's in my body? And knowing that when I carry trauma, it's very hard to find my no. Yeah. And I might say yes, but in fact, it's a no, but I just can't voice it or I don't even recognize it. So there's definitely that capacity to say, yes, I want to engage. No, I don't want to engage. And and a, a lot of gentleness, as you say, because we're working on a different layer. So, But I want to transition on the animals medicine, because I know you work a lot with animal medicine and it's a whole other topic, probably similar in some aspect of it. And you offered to talk about bear medicine or bear as animal medicine uh, but i want also to ask question about the deer <laughs> and maybe about the bees also because you know i'm a beekeeper and i have a lot of bees here and i want to talk a little bit about bee medicine but um can you talk about just animal medicine and what that means and how do we work with animal medicine in in that context and how do we heal ourselves or find wisdom and maybe take the example of the bear or any animal you want to to bring up yeah so before i begin this I really want to do this. I hope it's okay. I guess you can edit it out. I want to mention my friend, Casey Thurton. She's with Inner Certainty Healing Arts here in South Carolina. I've never met anybody like her when it comes to animal medicine. It's incredible. She's magic. So I want to be sure and say that because she's so lovely. She's beautiful. So animal medicine is when we work with the animals in, in my experience, the same way I'm talking about working with the plants. So animals have their own personalities, their own characteristics, their own attributes, you know, where they live, how they move through the world. Okay. So everything about them, they are embodied medicine, <laughs> you know, they are themselves, but they are embodied. They don't need to remember. They already no, know. They already know. They know who they are. They're not confused. <laughs> and so, but sometimes as humans, there are attributes or characteristics, you know, of these animals that are medicine for us. There are attributes or characteristics that we need to bring into ourselves, or maybe we need to balance in ourselves. You know, maybe it's out of balance. Um, and so for me, the way that I work with animal medicine is about what you think from what I've said, which is, you know, get a picture uh, simply think about it, you know, find a card, read about it. If you can have it as a pet or see it somewhere, you know, whatever, just bringing it into your energetic, you know, space. That's how, that's how I think of animal medicine. And, and, and often I found with animal medicine, they come to me. I don't have to seek them out. Cause I mean, how am I going to seek out, you know, a zebra or something, you know, I don't know. And some people think you can't do that. They think we can only work with the animals that are, you know, in, where you are in the world, but I've had animals from all over the world, you know, come to me to work with me. So, but they usually come to me because I don't always know what I need and what I'm looking for. <laughs> so with the bear, that's how I experience it. So with the bear, that actually wasn't the first animal to come. The dove was the first during the miscarriages, but I didn't understand animal medicine then. But the bear came after, again, my fifth child was born and my parents had uh, purchased a massage for me postpartum as like a, a comfort gift. So I went and no clue about animal medicine or anything like that. <laughs> and the gentleman, he pushed this place on the back of my head. I'm sure there are body workers who knew what, you know, what that place is. And it hurt, you know, the occiput, I guess, whatever. I'm not really good with anatomy. 
and it hurt, but I have this way of like, I try to breathe into things like that. I breathe into the pain. <laughs> That's what I do. I just take a deep breath and breathe into those spaces, like giving birth and whatnot. So I'm doing that. And as I'm breathing into it, my body spoke to me and spoke like it's the only time it's ever done it. It wasn't just a symptom. It was words. And I heard a part of my body kind of sort of around my liver gallbladder, but that's a little too exact, although that would fit with the bear. And it said, clearly, why don't you just let it go? And I said, let what go? And then as you might imagine, it's gone, (laughs) you know, and he finishes pushing that part on my head. And then he tells me to roll over on my stomach. And when he did that, I saw the bear. And, you know, I'm from East Tennessee and the Appalachian Mountains, and we have bears here, you know, but I've never been close to a bear. You know, you see them, you know, walking across a field or across a road or, you know, uh, you know, at the edge of a wood or, but I've not been close to a bear. But I saw the bear and it was standing across from me across a field and he was standing upright and we were looking directly at each other and just taking note of each other and then he sort of like exited like stage right (laughs) and I thought what was that and then the next thing that I knew the bear was on top of me and it was like merging over me and its head was coming over my head and I could see its teeth and you know I'm on the massage table and it's its paws came over my paws and its claws and I remember looking over and being like how would I know that I mean I don't know that. I don't know that it's oily like that. You know, I've not seen it. And it had burdock burrs, which is so fitting. It had burdock burrs in its fur. And it was it was just so real. And we just merged, you know, and became one. And then it began because it wasn't too long after that when I started to remember, you know, the trauma. And the bear came to me all along the way through that so for me the bear has been um always a protector when the bear comes for me it's always protecting me always um so there was this time I was with this group and they were going to do plant communication exercise and I got a bit like ridiculously early at a conference because she'd be able to sleep in to go to this special intensive and I go and she's got this handout with like a thousand different bean names of how you know and you have to like call on all these beans to talk to the plants and I was thinking this seems complicated and she tells us to close our eyes and immediately the bear came and told me we were going to go to sleep <clears throat> we we're going to take a nap and I was like I'm not here to take a nap I'm here to talk to plants but it was there to protect me because it wasn't a really good space to be in Mm. And we went to sleep together. And when it was over, she wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't look me in the eye. She wouldn't speak to me anymore throughout it. I think she sensed, you know, that what had happened. And so the bear is a protector for me. But also when the bear came to me at that time, it's time to heal and it's time to go. It's time to go inward. You know, so we think of the dream, the bear connected to dreams and we think of hibernation and, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's time to go inward. So when you talk about getting quiet, you know, it's time to get quiet. It's time to go inside and it's time to listen. And so often when the bear comes to me, it's a time for me to be introspective, to go into my body, to listen to myself, sometimes just to rest. The bear is also for me very much mother medicine. When I've, I've gone through a good bit the last few years with my children and uh, family things because my you know former partner 
um, you know, doesn't approve of my way of being in the world with the plants in this way. And so when the bear has come on really pointed occasions, uh, it's speaking to me of mothering, <laughs> that idea of a mother bear, you know, and again, it's the protection, like you and your children are protected, but it also gives me that mother bear energy, you know, uh, that I have. So these are some of the ways that there's more, but that's some of the ways that bear comes to me as a protector, um, going inward, it's time to heal, introspective, the mothering, and also, you know, in indigenous groups and cultures, they'll talk about the bear medicine clan. And so these are healers, you know, and um, working with roots and plant medicine. You know, there's that connection, at least where I am, my part of the world with the Cherokee and the Choctaw and others. And and I really do believe when the bear came, I wasn't a, I wasn't an herbalist then. I was studying the plants, but I I I had it embraced who I was and why I'm here you know and so it was like a calling it's time now you know it's time now to to come and be a part of this group and you know your people <laughs> you know in that way and I think that's such a connection to bear too because I connect bear to the kidneys uh, you know not just like liver gallbladder and I also put it with the kidneys and, and this idea of our essence and connecting to, for me anyway to my my essence um as I kind of, I draw back from the word healer a lot because I actually think that all of us are and we just don't know it yet and humans are on their way to everybody being that. <laughs> but at this time, you know. I'm with you on that, on, yeah. the, on the withdrawal of the world. Of the yeah. world. yeah. So I'll just stop there. That's some of how I have been with Bear. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, so we do vision quests on the land here and um last year uh, and we see bear around sometime but i've never seen bear on my land right crossing the land and we were preparing for vision quest you know which is this time of going inward because you go alone in the woods for four days and four nights and uh you're going to be with yourself and the day before we started vision quest as we were preparing the fire and all that this big bear just crossed the land followed by three cubs you know, and they just run right in front of us, like so close. And I knew, and that's what I felt that the bear, you know, and he was, he was, you know, this time of the year where they kind of, you know, coming out and all that, but I know he was coming us back because he's just coming out of his cave, you know, of his hibernation with our new babies. It's like, it's time to go, you know, in the belly of the mother. That's what I heard. Go back to the belly of the mother, go back on the land. It's time to disconnect. You know, so that I, I heard that message of like the, yeah, the mother belly and uh, protection, which is for me what the bear symbol is, aside from his strengths and the protection, obviously, and, and that, that calm. Yeah. I love that. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and um, there was something that you were saying there about the going inward. Well, because I'm thinking of the bear that lives, you know, for a long time of the year. I mean, three or four yeah, months here in yeah. the cave. Yeah, and that was the thing. So it, 
like we were saying with each other, it is about going inward. It is about that and the vision quest. And for me, I mean, I'm going in, I'm going inward. I'm going on a quest. This is a journey. But also, you know, when you're talking about this is the time that they're waking up, you know, that they start to come out. And I feel like that is part of, it's just happening in this moment. Thank you. Like part of what the bear was coming to me for, wake up, Amanda. It's time to wake up. Like when we talk about embodiment, you know, you've not been in your body. You've been asleep. You're not awake. You're not engaged. You know, it's time now. You know, it's time to come out of, you know, there's, it was both at the same time. We're going to go inward because it's time. You know, and she's, you know, she's pregnant during hibernation. She gives yeah. birth yeah. as she hibernates, as yeah. she is inside the earth. <laughs> yeah, I know. And people I know that, don't know that, but the cubs are not born out. They're born no. in the den before yeah. the winter is finished. So when spring arrives, the babies are already born, which is quite unique for an animal to give birth under the earth and such a big animal. So anyway, there was also the pregnancy there. And and, that and I love that because that's what happens. You know, when I went inward, I was giving, really, honestly, I'm giving birth to myself. I was giving birth to the book. I was giving birth to my path, to the medicine, you know, mm. but I, it was all there. You know, it was all, it was all there and it was all coming, you know, and I, I really had to even just draw back from obviously life for a while and gestate, <laughs> you know, what am I, what am I seeing? What am I experiencing? What's happened to me? Who am I? What is my life? like? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, all of these things, but, um, bear was there the whole time. I just love bear. I think Matt's a bear. He came in one of my journeys. Yes, Matt, Matt is a bear. For, for those of you that were here, with, or we, we know Matt, uh, Matthew Wood, or just go back, see that video. Uh, definitely. Uh, it's a bear medicine. And he has this gentleness, but this strength. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely see a bear when I look at him. Sorry, Matt, if you're listening, it's not about your physical, uh, just your, <laughs> how you look like. <laughs> um you know, I think on the animal. So, but I want to go like for this last segment, I want to talk about connecting to the land because here we are talking about the plants and we are talking about the animals. Uh, but I feel, you know, we, we've been in this crazy time of transition with COVID and what's happening. Uh, yes, people say it's a collective rite of passage or it's an initiation. Joanna Messi says we're in the great turning. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of words for this time we've been in. But it has definitely invited us to sit with our bodies and to sit on the land we're in because we could not travel. We could not even get out of our house or <laughs> go to the to the next town. So I feel it's it's been... And it's a time of the rising of the feminine, you know, the, the rising of those forces, the, this intuition, this capacity to remember, this strength in softness and in slowing down, this power that is present when we touch upon our feminine archetype. And the land is there. You know, and, and it's where, you know, in, in my tradition, in Peruvian and, and the Cosmovision, all the prayers, they are pointing toward the earth, towards the south direction. At the end, that's where we're going, because we're going to be buried there. Uh, we're going to go back to the earth. And so all the prayers always point toward the south, toward the earth. 
So when it comes to land medicine, and for me, I've been, especially the past few years, really um, diving deeper into the trauma of the land because we are on stolen land. I've spent a lot of time in on reservation with Native American people and see the trauma that is there in their bodies and on their land and how that is connected. But I feel, you know, we are, you know, the Keystone pipeline just got canceled yesterday. And I was like, oh, we can see that something is happening here with the land. But can you talk a little bit about land medicine in general and that connection to land and how does that connect or bridge with the traditional caretakers of this land, you know, native people maybe, or with our own lands, where we're coming from, if we're not from here originally, or our parents. And how do we connect to all those lands, maybe? The one we live in, the one we grew up? I love this. (laughs) It's a big question. So I'll just start with what we have time for. (laughs) Working with the plants led me to working with the land. So now I don't just enjoy sitting with the plants. I like to sit with the land. When I moved to South Carolina, it was like a call. The house I lived in at the time, the land I was on, it started talking to me just like the plants. And it wanted to talk to me about the trauma that it experienced. In this part of the United States and South Carolina, um, what has happened to the indigenous people here, the Cherokee, the Choctaw and others, you know, there are lakes here, man-made lakes that were purposely made and were washed over the top of indigenous villages, you know, and the Treaty Oak is here, which was where the first um, treaty was made with the Cherokee, the Choctaw, and the indigenous people here. It just, uh, well, now it's just about an hour from my house when I first moved here, maybe 10, 15 minutes. We've had slavery is a huge part of South Carolina. Lynchings here, the last known lynching was just about 30 minutes from my house. So the land here wants to talk. And so when I moved here five or six years ago, I'm very thankful to have found a friend that had been aware of this same thing here, Lance Howard, and had sort of been marking the places here that wanted attention. And so we started to go together and sit and listen to the land, just like I listen to the plants. It has stories to tell. It it wants to tell about its trauma. It wants to tell what it's witnessed and it wants healing too, you know? And so the land would begin to tell its story and then ask for certain things, you know, to help with the healing. And sometimes it was just having a human that would listen, you know? So I started to tell the stories and we started to do work with the land in that way. And then I started to do that in my classes. Let's sit. Let's listen to the land. What does the land here want us to say? What is the medicine of this land? And on my podcast, I have an episode that is from the Treaty Oak. Um, So the first time I went to the Treaty Oak, which is where the first treaty was made here in the U.S. with the indigenous people, um, I wasn't expecting to be as moved by it as I was. You have to walk up this little hill. Maybe it's a little more than a hill. And I got to the edge of the, or the foot of the trail. And I I ended up, I couldn't do anything but get down on my knees on the trail. And I wasn't expecting that. I was overcome with it. And I could feel the betrayal, the grief, the sadness. I could see the spirits of the indigenous people who had gathered you know, to assemble as they walked up to sign it. And I could feel the knowing they had that 
it's over. Our time here is over. Even though we're signing this treaty and they're saying nice things, there's this shift from like one way of being to another way of being, one era in time to another. They knew it and you could feel the grief of it, that it's over. And 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 the sadness and the betrayal. And I mean, it was so much, you know, and it took me a while to get up off the ground and to walk up to the Treaty Oak and you know, there was speaking and whatnot. And I visited this place several times after. And then there's this podcast on a Thanksgiving because I thought I'm not going to eat turkey and stuffing today. I'm going to go to Treaty Oak. And that's where I've gone with my friend that I mentioned the last several Thanksgivings, you know, is to sit at the Treaty Oak. And this message it gave was so beautiful. I'll have to share the link with you if you want to, you know, share it with your people. This particular Yes, we can add that. definitely. Yeah. It was so lovely. It's it's lovelier to listen to the podcast because it's in the moment. I'm sort of, if this is an okay word, like channeling it, like a conduit speaking for the land and the spirits of the land. And it was telling me, um, it's time for a new way. It told me we can't go back. It's not possible to go back. Um, we have to go forward. There's a new way. And so the, the bringing of what was before us that's good and that can continue but new ways, you know, merging and finding a new way to go forward and spoke to me of new songs and new ceremonies and, and new ways of being. Because where I am in South Carolina, the land isn't even the same anymore. You know, so much has changed with the land, the same. There are lakes here that weren't here when they were here. And, you know, all of these things, you know, everything's different. So how do we be on the land now? How do we be of the land now while honoring who was here before us and how they tended and what they knew, but then being here now and in this place and becoming, you know, the stewards of this place now. And I don't think that's possible without sitting and listening because the land has stories to tell. The spirits of the land has stories to tell. The ancestors have stories to tell wisdom to give, you know, instruction for healing, you know, of the land, which heals the people. This is what I found is, you know, when we're when we're drawn to a certain place, usually we match up with the land somehow. Mm. Like what it needs is what we need and what it can offer us, we can offer it. And there's this co-creating, co-healing, you know, partnership that happens. And so as humans are healing, the land will heal. And as we work with the land and the land is healing, the human, you know, I feel like this is how we, we are when we come together. And just a little side note that's it is about healing, but it's like a side note, but it's going to be a fun one. There's a place here called Jones Gap. And when I've gone there, it doesn't want to speak to me about the trauma of the land here. And it, it doesn't want to do that. It actually says to me, there are other creation stories. There are other origin stories. That's what that place wants to tell me. And it's like it's wanting us to go even farther back than we already go. You know, we go back to the indigenous people that we think of in that way. Like for me, with my ancestors, with the Choctaw, you know, but it's actually asking us to go further back. There are more stories. There are more origin stories. There are more creation stories. And I guess it's trying wanting us to get this sort of multidimensional, just more expansive way of viewing the human experience and journey. Cause we're kind of locked in a gridlock with like the old way and the new way. And I feel like it's wanting us to say, guys, expand, <laughs> you know? So 
um, that place I love. And I, and again, you have to be patient when you're listening, but it's like, I wish I could sit there all day, every day and be like, come on, give it to me. Give me the, give me the creation stories, <laughs> you know, and do that. So um, I don't know if that's where you were wanting to go with it, but it's a real thing. It's needed. We can sit with the land just like we can sit with the plants. It can give us messages wherever you live. You can start with wherever you live listening. What does it want? Does it want a crystal? Does it want a song? Does it want a prayer? Does it want you to plant a rose bush? Does it want you to have a picnic? You know, what does what is it asking so that you can come back into right relationship and be connected and commune? And and the world be what it was always meant to be, where we're here together in right relationship and healing and harmony peace one it's totally possible to start where you are i completely believe in creating lots of little edens all over the world until we get one large one (laughs) so it's really what's really moving me in what you're sharing you know i feel like this land prayer is opening something that's much more towards giving or service it's not about my healing anymore obviously it's going to heal me and it's going to heal my community but i'm really turning towards something much much greater here when it comes to the land, it's not like, oh, I have this problem, so I'm going to go to the land, you know, like I go uh-huh. plant med- plant uh, or animal medicine, for example. And there is also this, uh, yeah, weaving into something that, that is so much bigger. And so in Andean Cosmovision, in this tradition uh, that I mentioned earlier, uh, there's two animals that sit in the south direction, the direction of the earth. There is a snake grandmother snake because she woke softly with her soft belly on the earth so she's the one that shows us how to walk on the earth very softly very gently and with our belly which is can feel very you have to be very safe to walk with your belly yeah. uh, on the earth but the second animal is a spider because she weaves everything together and that's why she is there and so it's funny to see this parallel in what you're describing as a land medicine and what, you know, this other tradition is say, yes, the land is helping us to, well, it's a mycelium network. It's that, and that's probably where the creation stories are. I feel, you know, very deep, deep in the mycelium. If we go much, much deeper and further into the roots and back in time, which is back in the roots in so many ways. I yeah. love it. And it's so true. We, d- we don't, I don't think so. We don't go to the land the way we go to the plants and the animals for our healing. Mm. You're right. We go in service. What's your story? What do you need? You know, what do I need to hear? What am I here for? It's, it is a very different relationship, <laughs> you know, very different relationship. Um, it's so profound. And the fact that land can call you, you can be called to a place. You know, it's calling. It's why I'm here. I don't know how I'm going to get this house and lands, you know, but it's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And then it says, you're my human. And there's something about you that is the medicine that this place needs, but I also have medicine for you and we're a good pair, you know, I hope <laughs> to make a piece of, of Eden and of, of paradise here. It's so interesting. You said you got to feel safe to get on your belly. This kind of goes back to the tulip poplar, which we talked to you about the beginning. Today, I finally got some time to be outside by myself, which I haven't had a lot of time to do lately. And um, I was with Tulip Poplar and, you know, lots happened. And then I couldn't help it. Like, I just 
started to notice all the flowers that had fallen and were decaying and the petals that were everywhere. And I, you know, was down on the ground and taking pictures and squatting and getting as low as I could. And then I eventually ended up on my belly (laughs) because I couldn't get any lower than that. And I was trying to get a good view of everything, but there is a safety there. And it is part of, again, like we talked about coming into our bodies, we talked about earthing and being barefoot, but to get our, uh, belly on the ground i was so in my body today it's been a little while you know yards mm. are having to like return yeah the belly button on the belly button on the earth you know as there's uh, so many things that are coming to me as i'm listening to you and well we're at the end of our time and there's, there's like i could talk with you for a few more hours for sure and we're going to bring you back at some point and maybe bring you on the hey, land here love to uh, talk about this stuff because i feel there's much more to explore so I'm going to leave you the last words to close, uh, but I wanted first to, to thank you everybody that came to this event or that is listening online. And we'll be putting some uh, details about, you know, Amanda and her website and all of that uh, under the podcast or the YouTube video and all of that. So you can have access to it. And I wanted to thank you so much, Amanda. It was like such an amazing time. And I'll leave you the last word. Anything else you want to share? And you can just close and we'll say goodbye to everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you to you too. I loved the interview with Matt. And so when Tara said, maybe you want to talk with him, you were so kind and so easy in that interview. And I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much. And I, I guess what I would like to say, it's been coming. I wasn't expecting to say this, but it's the deer just it's wanting to emphasize the gentleness of the plant medicine for the trauma, right? You know, there's a lot with how the deer and I came together, but one story is the, the day of my first uh, appointment with the body worker and the energy worker, we took a walk before the drive. So it was going to be a three hour drive one way to get to her. I came around the corner in this park and there was a deer standing there, which isn't unusual, except it didn't move and it was just a couple of feet away and we locked eyes and there was a knowing between us and I felt her say, are you ready? And then she just turned and walked into the woods. There's a lot that can be said about me and the deer. I think it's, it, well, it is one of my, you know, spirit animals allies, but the, the gentleness of her and the gentleness of the medicine that was coming, you know? So I just want to emphasize that again, that something that can be so painful and deep can be met and matched with really gentle, profound medicine. That's what wants to come. Thank you so much. Thank you. Much blessing, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to The Sanctuary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're a source of talks about spirituality, personal transformation, energy healing, shamanism, and earth-based practices. For more, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. On the website, you can find out about our events, our retreats, healing offering, our spiritual blog, and you can also register for the newsletter. Again, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. Till next time, this is the Sanctuary Podcast and Angel Deer signing off.